in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's riding on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Oh, it's the top of the hour. Listen to this. I'll tell you what. My son wanted to watch the Grizzlies last night. We saw it right at the end of the game, and I thought I was hallucinating when I saw the final score where the Grizzlies beat the Thunder 152-79, to the 73-point margin, easily topped the previous mark, which was Cleveland's 68-point win over Miami uh, in 91. <laughs> Mark, <laughs> Mark Dishnault, the... Uh, Oklahoma City coach, tonight is not necessarily who we are. Well, I would hope the hell not. I think we've definitely shown that from a competitive standpoint. This isn't indicative of who our team is. Memphis used 12 players, and nine of them reached double figures in scoring, with Jaron Jackson's 27 leading the way. Its bench outscored the entire Oklahoma City team. What What? What happens here? Did you see that score last night? Yeah, it was ridiculous. I don't even know how that's possible. I've got to tell you, I don't even know how that's possible in any basketball game other than like do you think Centennial High girls <laughs> do you <laughs> and then but the problem with that is Karen Whites would have to write a letter yeah yeah once you once you win once you win by exactly. a certain amount. <laughs> um let me ask you this do you think that when that gets out of hand like that is at some point gaming control immediately just check to see what the action was like you know, because that 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 it's a it's a trigger point there where you go. Okay, you're going to know that. I mean, I would think that, that high. I would think that my guy Michael Lawton up there at the gaming control or somebody they they just it not and they didn't think anything, but they automatically just want to look what was the action like on that game, and if they saw any irregularity, absolutely they're going to investigate even further. Uh, is that a Game Boy or a what is that over there, Jared? It's a I, Game Boy. Nice. Yeah, I just looked across and I'm looking at like a, 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 a an electronic yeah, yeah. game that yeah, it helps me listen. Okay, can you play 2K on that thing? I can on this thing. It's a, it's a far cry from what Ed and I had back in the day the the the, the little white Mattel electronic oh, yeah. the Metallica uh, Mattel Mattel electronic football football. 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 Yeah. Uh, did you see? Did you with, ever have with one of red those? blips? No. Was it way before. No. You all, we had was, all we had was red dashes. Yeah. It looked like a long dash. Yes. and that was the quarterback and the running back, and he had and little arrows. You've seen them. Yes, of course I've seen them. I didn't get one of those. I had to have the Coleco. I don't mom, know what mom that did, is. Mom, yes, exactly. Mom got me the one to just, you just be appreciative, William. Happy to move on to the, to the next question here, Aaron. Steve Adazio out as Carter State's football coach after two seasons, three and nine this season. He was ejected from the season-ending 42-point loss to Nevada because of two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. Uh, Dazio's buyout dropped from five to three million on Thursday, so they waited until Thursday so they could save two million. Good for Colorado State. Colorado State was one and three in his first campaign. They shortened because of COVID nineteen issues. Let me ask you this: uh, two years around, uh, I know being a college football coach uh, is two years too soon. Now this guy was ejected from games. I don't know what else he did, but what does that tell you? Because every time this happens, coaches around the country say, "Hey, this is a joke. He only had two years." You can't fire people in that amount of time. It's just not fair. Is in your mind, is this fair? Three and nine, one and three. They only got in uh, four games in the COVID nineteen season, and I do think it's it's not funny, but it's smart by them. They waited until the day where the uh, buyout went from five to three. I don't know if it's fair because we don't know if there's underlying 
themes there. And if, like you said, you know, beyond the ejections, is there something in-house that, you know, did they say we need to move on from this guy? Because if it is fair and he went four and 12 in two seasons, well, uh, Maryland Parkway, (laughs) I know somebody that only has two wins. You see what I'm saying? I mean, this oh, is the, I see what you're saying. And this is a Mountain West team that's been far more successful than the school down the road. But I, I'll go on record. I think unless this guy did stuff we didn't know, I think two years is a joke. I, I, I don't know what joke. I don't know what else he did. I will say that we know, like we had heard at his previous location, everybody hated him. Okay. Like he's not. He's definitely personal. Was that, Boston, was that Boston College? Yes. Like it's, it's definitely personal. his own players after he left went awesome, cool. I can stay at Boston College through a party. Yeah, basically his own recruits okay. were high fiving when he went to a different school. Okay, so let me ask you that. Let me just throw this at you because I think that UNLV improved dramatically. As the season wore on, and I thought they were competitive till the last cer- game. Certain spots, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, for the most part, they improved. Though they showed they improved. But when you show improvement, especially on the defensive side, and your defensive leader enters the transfer portal, and other guys want to follow, what sets a sign up? Well, is it the program for- or is it the coach? I think it could be both. I think uh, I think first of all, they don't think they're going to be very successful next year, and they want to get out now and try to win. I mean, don't you? I mean, if uh, Gaston, uh, local guy you know, went in the portal this morning, he's got one year left, and he's probably saying, I don't want to take a chance of going 2-10 and 10 again. I want to win. So the new AD comes in. The the second he steps on, he or she steps onto campus, it's a make-or-break season from that point forward for Marcus Arroyo? I absolutely think so. I They have to challenge. Would you not agree they have to challenge for a bowl game next year? Absolutely. Now, Absolutely. If he goes from two to f- two to let's say he goes to two to five to s- five and seven, they're close. It's one game away. Okay, I could see them continue on. He goes two to two or two to three, then I'm sorry, you've had three years and you've won like four, ga- you know, four or five games. I mean, this guy, like like we said, and Jared just said, Ad- Adazio might not be the most popular guy, but if he did nothing else other than lose, they just blew him out after two years. Especially, especially when you have these sites out there that are clamoring that this is the the best recruiting class is at the top. I've heard so, that enough. I don't so, want to hear yeah, that anymore. R- well, I'm just saying. Yeah. But but hey, if if we're buying into that philosophy and, and it's being bragged about, it's being talked about, we got the top recruits, we got the top recruits, better do something with it. Next time I see dice rolling, I'm getting another Modelo. We not me. Next Hashtag question. don't forget it. Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver Antonio Brown suspended three games along with two others for COVID-19 violations. Now we remember the league's investigation found that Brown bought a feet are okay. (laughs) Exactly. Brown bought a fake vaccination card with him to training camp. Shortly after he arrived, someone told him that having one could get him in trouble. So he went and got vaccinated. Wasn't this the chef? I think this was the chef who said, yeah, he asked me for the fake vaccination card. Are either of you two? It's it's a great story. I'm sorry. This is hilarious that this guy tried to get away with this, and then someone said, "Hey, listen, uh, that that mark on your card, the watermark on your card, and all the other stuff on your card doesn't fix. Um, you better get vaccinated." Which he did. He he went and got vaccinated. His agent said he's going to learn from this. It was a mistake that he did it in the first place. But he's one of three yesterday who's been suspended for three games. Didn't fight it. Didn't appeal it. Said, "I'll take the three games." Knew the card was fake. Surprised at all. 
When's Aaron Rodgers getting uh, suspended? Well, he can't because Jared's got to start him in his fantasy team. <laughs> no, God forbid that we that we God forbid that the league suspend or discipline one of the, if not the face of the league or the potential MVP. I mean, no, let's not let's not let's not do that. That's where I stand on that. No, I mean, I totally like. I think he's right. I think Aaron Rodgers miss. The difference is, is uh, Antonio Brown's a knucklehead. He throws furniture off of balconies and burns his own burns feet. his own feet and comes in on hot air balloons <laughs> calls his uh, gm a cracker like he's he's a knucklehead this isn't i went up there and basically bold face lied about something okay okay so going back so adazio they could say on poor performance but there's underlying themes so was brown actually like okay this is a knucklehead and we're going to teach him a lesson because he gave a fake vax card so because rogers twisted his words oh well no i mean you guys well what i meant was and then well we kind of knew but this that but you misrepresented the fact that you were vaccinated clown <laughs> I like it next question Notre Dame has hired defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman as its uh, full-time coach. He was the leading candidate. Uh, players wanted him. A lot of boosters wanted him. He's a great defensive coordinator. 2023, they now have the second recruiting class in the country. Apparently, he recruited everyone on it. Let me ask both of you this, because it's Notre Dame. Because the first thing you heard when Brian Kelly left was, will they hire Marcus Freeman? It's like, no. Notre Dame is not a stepping stone and is not a proving ground to be the head coach at Notre Dame. You need someone like Luke Fickle. You need someone like who's been a head coach, who knows what they're doing as a head coach. And two days later, the you know Jack Swalbert, the AD, says, nope, we're going with this guy. I don't have a problem with it. Like I said, he, he's an incredible recruiter. Um, if you watch Notre Dame this year, their defense was terrific. Uh, so I have no problem with it. Um, Tommy Reese will remain as the offensive coordinator. So I want to both your opinions on this because that was the – kind of outside theme is like at eh, Notre Dame's not the job you give to a guy for his first time head coaching job. I love it. I do too. I love it because you have a guy who, and I made this mistake yesterday. I didn't realize that th- it, this was just his first year with Notre Dame. We were talking about this with, uh, I was talking about this with Steve. I didn't realize this was his first season with Notre Dame. So I had said he's put in the work, he's put in the legwork as an assistant, but it's been with other programs. Yes, this was his first Kent year. State, but here's Cincinnati. the thing. Well, Kent State, Purdue, uh, Cincinnati. Notre Dame. Ohio State is a graduate assistant. Okay, now, grad. he went to Ohio State. So the only thing that stands out would be, but it's going to take time for him to prove himself. Like, let's say in the next five years, he's got Notre Dame in the playoff and they win one national championship and Ohio State needs a coach. They come knock and come home to your, you know, to your right, alma okay. mater. Yeah. And that's the dream job, right? We saw that with here happen with Otzelberg, right? Oh, I've got to go to my dream job. Yeah, okay. He's doing pretty well. But here's the deal. You bring a big name in with a big ego and he feels like, I can go wherever I can. You you run the risk that this guy's going to demand the high price tag or he could bolt at any given time for bigger and better things if there is such a thing with Notre Dame. You got those big spots. This is a guy who's going to cherish and appreciate the chance that he's getting, and he's really going to put knuckles to the – you know, he's going to go balls to the wall because this is his first chance, his first big shot. I'm with you. I love it. I think it's a great hire. I, I – Willie's 100% right, especially if you actually, like, he listed off all the places that he worked before. 
had he been head coaches at all those places, it would be like, well, the Notre Dame is a, a logical right. conclusion. It's like, well, he's worked everywhere and he's been successful everywhere. All you're doing is just going basically to the backup quarterback who's been sitting in the wings. Yeah. Referencing Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. This this front page has been very uh <laughs> like it's been very well woven together. It's very if, cohesive. If yeah. I'm if I'm Notre Dame and I and look look what's happened with Lincoln Riley. He yeah. has flipped he flipped the modern day running back last night. You're flipping all these kids. If I'm Notre Dame and right now in twenty twenty three I have the second rank recruiting class and this guy recruited all of them, I'm iron this guy. Because those kids will flip in a second. And all of a sudden you go from the second rank recruiting class to like the fiftieth rank recruiting class and then you're rebuilding. If this guy really recruited all of them, which everyone has said he has I'm not going anywhere other than this guy. I know two Marcuses that have a big shot at D1 coaching, and they should get together and get and and get us a Notre Dame UNLV matchup. How's that? They play. Yeah, they play. They play. When's yeah. that coming? Uh, uh, next year in South Bend, right? Yeah, it's in South Bend. See, the it's next year they play. There. You'll be there. Yeah, sure. It'll be a bloodbath. You'll be there. I'll probably have to <laughs> fill in. Next question. Zion Williamson's return to the NBA has been delayed because of soreness in his surgically repaired right foot. The Pelicans announced Williamson has not played a game this season because of the fracture in his right foot. New Orleans is 6-18 without its all-star forward. All right, this is going to sound crazy. I got two words for you. Go ahead. This is going to sound crazy, I want, uh, and I know you're both going to react in, in, in the same way. Is this dude the next Anthony Bennett? He's the next Greg Oden. Oh! oh. Okay. Okay. Anthony Bennett, at least when he got on the court, you know, he got some time in there. I just, I feel very good. Greg Odin, I mean, I feel bad. I just, I just wonder how much time he put in during the offseason and how much, you know, as far as his his fitness and his nutrition. Because anything down from the You saw him in Summer League. Did you not? Yes. Anything from the knee down, though. If you're not, if you don't have the right fitness, you don't have the the leg muscle, you don't have the nutrition, you're carrying too much body fat, your body fat percentage is off. Those things are going to take. That's where you're going to get knee problems. You're going to get shin splints. You're going to get Achilles. You're going to get plantar fasciitis. You're, everything that's going to happen is because if you're carrying too much weight. And the one thing that's been a concern has been his weight. No, that's you like Ray Godin. I, As the I comparison? Yeah, that's a bunch. Because at least Anthony Bennett did something for the Canadian national team. Greg Oden. Willie's getting a round of applause for this front page. That was delightful. little golf clap. Golf clap. Good front page. All right, when we come back, the Las Vegas Bowl. We'll talk about it as we work towards John Sassenti at 830. Who signs Rob Manfred's check? I wonder who that guy works for. Oh. It doesn't matter. His his side's going to win out in the lockout. Owner's going to win, and Rod Manfred will probably get a raise. These commissioners. Hey, millions of dollars that guy make. He's famous almost exclusively for being the only commissioner in all of sports that doesn't seem to like the sport that he is the commissioner of. Rake your commissioners for me. All four. Ooh, it's good Lord. It's probably Silver Goodell. Uh... Batman getting hit by a bus and then Rob Manfred. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna. It is Silver and Goodell. I, I don't and think that's it. That's and it. then I can't. And then even the other the two just two. fall off. I mean, would you ever rank the? I, I can't even I mean, rank the other. Batman two. goes in because at least he was like this betting thing. I like yeah, the sound yeah. of it. Yeah. Maybe didn't do it the best way with this upper lower thing, but at least he was one of the first ones to like walk in there and be like, cool. Yeah. True. Batman gets the thumbs down for me because before the season. We will get media back in locker rooms. That is our number one goal. Then, like a month later, T 
teams decide. You guys decide. No Christmas parties. No Christmas The second parties. that came out, I think we all were texting with it. Well, we won't be in the. We know we won't be in the locker room. No, no, no. Oh, once it came out that the teams decided with the Golden Knights, GMGM, come on, come on, McCrimmon? No chance we're in those locker rooms. All right, here we go. December thirtieth. Oh, there we go. Press box transition. <laughs> December thirtieth, Legion Stadium at eight thirty. John Sassenti, the executive director of the Las Vegas Bowl, will be joining the press box. But first, Willie, you're going to cover this thing. Um, okay. So it appears they Actually, have a, I won't be covering it. You, you won't be at this one. You'll you, be at the Pac-12 championship tonight. Which is tonight. No, you know, every year for the Las Vegas Bowl is one of the oh, times I take right. the re- journalism hat yes, off. Yes, yes. And I actually work for the committee because for, right. for 20 plus years, I've worked for our buddy Mark Wallington. That's right. Yeah. As the, as he terms it, sideline marshal. Wait, you keep everyone in charge down there? What well, you, you got to make sure you make sure. <laughs> what? Here's what happens: the photographers get a little chummy past the, and they get into the players' box, and then sometimes you get uh, videographers, and they're they try to they the the line that they walk behind the bench to get to the other side. They'll film while the game's going on, stuff like this. You have to make sure that they're on top of that. You make sure securities. Now, this will be the first time I did a Legion. I did it for the Vegas Kickoff Classic with Arizona BYU, and it was relatively easy. I mean, I think because state the Allegiant secures a little tighter, you got a lot more Metro presence, it was a lot simpler. Um, there's only been one time I've had to take a, a credential from somebody. And, well, that's and I'm because not gonna... Raiders.com allowed Cassie to go to the game, that and wasn't you know, Cassie. She's, she's behind the bench yeah, no. filming there, No, and it, it, was, it was something completely different, and I'll tell you guys off the air because I don't want to get into – I don't want to scare anyone. Well, it's the press box. You can tell us anything. I had to take, I had to take, I had to take a, a photographer's uh, credential because he was running. He was, like, acting like he was running from side to side, and he, was, he had his – he had his camera flipped upwards as he was running by the cheerleaders. Let's leave it at that. Oh! oh. Press box transition. <laughs> Press box <laughs> transition. Uh, okay, December so 30th. yep, Willie, well, you can tell us off the <laughs> yes, air. Yeah, there's another off the air thing. December 30th. Okay, so they've eliminated certain teams. Yep. It's uh, Big Ten versus Pac-12. I want to ask you a question because we've heard a lot of people believe that UCLA should be on the Pac-12 side. I immediately in my mind said no for this reason. Nothing against UCLA fans. I know some of them. I don't know a lot of them. But when you have a bowl game, now the Big Ten side, you're going to worry more about travel, getting the hotels and the, tra- and the you know and the, and the restaurants because they're going to be coming from far away. You want them to bring thousands and thousands of people. The other side in the Pac-12, if you're talking about Arizona State and UCLA and these other schools, it's a drive-in issue, uh, and you're driving in for the game maybe the night before to gamble a little, but you're not getting a lot out of them. The first thing I thought about UCLA is they're not coming. One, they have a basketball game that day. I have no clue who they play. It doesn't matter. It's a basketball school. Two, I just don't think of UCLA as one of those teams that are going to get in cars and drive to Vegas for the game. I know you have some thoughts on UCLA as well in terms of why you believe they probably shouldn't be on that side of things. Okay, let's just start with the basketball game on December 30th. Who do they play? They are hosting number 11, Arizona. Oh, okay. Who's undefeated? Polly Pavilion will be packed. Be rocking. It's a basketball school first. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care who plays for that team. I don't care if you got the Heisman favorite. It's a basketball school first. Always has been, and it still is. Now, if you're bringing it, if you want to talk about fans, and, and it, it, I have spoken with one person, it wasn't John Sassenti. But I have spoken with somebody who's tight-knit, and they're guesstimating from the four 
the original four finalists between the, of the Pac-12, they're guesstimating that they would bring anywhere from the bottom to the top 3,500 to maybe 7,000 people. Compa- and and that's, a, that's a huge disparity when you expect 35 to 40,000 from a team like Wisconsin. Right. Now, if you're talking UCLA and Arizona State, Four of Arizona State's top seven attended games this season were at home. Their average attendance was 47,248 in a stadium that holds 53,599. Okay, so that's that's pretty dang full. UCLA's four least attended games were at home. The average attendance at the Rose Bowl this year 45,818 announced announced because we saw the stuff on we saw pictures I saw pictures from my colleague Greg Beecham tweet out saying here's what it looks like today no shot that there were 60,000 at one particular game the capacity is 90,888 they still had 2,000 less than what ASU had right they're not going to fill Allegiant now Bless her heart. I love Melva Thompson Robinson, Dorian's mom. We're very good friends. She every time we tweet something out this week, as the selection committee is, has been meeting, she she has tweeted and tagged everybody you know that she could. It would be great if at Dorian blah 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 could run out of the tunnel for UCLA with at Gorman fans that right, followed right. him at Gorman blah 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 blah. Right. blah. It's, she's 100% spot on. She makes 100% sense. But this is not Sam Boyd Stadium. And those 250 fans of Dorian's in Las Vegas are not going to make a blip on the radar screen at a 63,000-seat stadium. So as much as I would love to see Dorian here, as much as I love the UCLA-Wisconsin postseason matchup, the selling point is not that Dorian can bring a crowd in. You have to get – it's got to be the UCLA following, the fan faithful. I, You know my fondness for Dorian Thompson-Robinson. I've done nothing but wish well on that on that young man, and he's had a fantastic season. He has probably been the reason why Chip Kelly's job is secure this year. But he's not going to bring, you know, seven, 8,000 fans is what – you have to sell. That's the selling point is how many fans you're going to bring from the Pac-12. And the fact that they're playing Arizona that night in uh, Westwood, it's a knock against them. It's a huge knock against them for that. For the Las Vegas Bowl Committee, they're 100% looking at that basketball game. I think they should bring Arizona State. Now, again, it's a drivable distance. <laughs> it's a drivable distance. You might have the same problem as you do with UCLA, meaning they're either coming in the night before or they're coming game day. I think you have a better chance of more people, and I think you have a better chance of maybe getting a night out of them. Yeah, I mean, it, and you know, Herm's an entertaining character. Yeah. I mean, and people people will come, you know, I mean, again, he's not going to drive thousands of people, but he's it's his persona it's his it's his you know I think he's a little more charismatic than Chip Kelly and he's a reason why Arizona State's become somewhat of a a following uh, and, and revived for that program so I agree with you I again 
I think the UCLA-Wisconsin matchup has always been fascinating ever since the 94 Rose Bowl. Whenever they've met in the postseason, I would love to see that matchup, but it's a matter of the fans. And and if you're asking which fan base would probably bring a bigger crowd at this point, I'd have to say ASU. All right, when we come back, the man in charge, he'll tell us what he thinks. It's Executive Director John Sassenti on. Hill throws its intercepted at the 25, down the left side. Into the end zone. That is a touchdown. Carlos Watkins, a defensive tackle. Ah, Tyler's favorite player, Taysom Hill, throwing it to the 300-pounder. What a what a great uh, play that was. Back on the uh, show, it's Ed, Willie, and Jared today. Please be joined now, though, as the executive director of that Las Vegas Bowl we were just talking about in the previous segment. John Sassenti doesn't like 7.30 wake-up calls. He only goes on 8.30, uh, which is fine. He's got a lot to do. How are you? <laughs> Good morning, fellas. Let me beat you to it. I'm I'm out of bed and I'm not playing golf, Greeny. I'm I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm ready to go. My you know, God, you have a game coming up. Yeah. Well, I listen. I didn't know last night we had the Pac-12 Championship Commissioner's reception. You never know how those things are going to go. So I want to be at a hundred percent for you this morning. <laughs> That's why we went with the eight thirty. You know what I appreciate about this early wake up call is the fact that you know it. It used to be back in the day when we were when we were homies and we were just kind of nobodies in this town. Uh, but now this this particular year, this particular with with me being on the radio a lot more, I get to talk to my boy John Sassenti a lot more. Well, I appreciate that, but I think I'm still a nobody in this town. But thank you, John. You walk around this town and people open doors, people move. If you were walking down Las Vegas Strip, people would just part the center lane for you. Uh, you're a beauty. I'll, I'll tell you what, we'll open the door when you finally get that gear to us. Jared's been waiting. Oh, the poor kid's been waiting for years. All right, we talked about it uh, before you came on. So right now, sitting here, we know you'll be at the Raiders on Sunday down in the media room announcing your uh, matchup. Uh, excited about that. Right now, how close are you? And if you had to decide now, would the vote be unanimous? Uh, no, we actually, so, so Tuesday afternoon at about four o'clock, we had our selection committee meeting that, uh, is always an in-person meeting. We ran through some there, some scenarios, and there's a lot of scenarios that are in play that are, that are quite frankly out of our hands, especially on the big 10 side, right? You, you, you need, right. you need to figure out what's going to happen with Iowa and Michigan. You need to figure out where Michigan state's going to land with regards to the CFP rankings. Um, so there's a couple things out of our hand. I will tell you. We ran through five or six scenarios on that side, and our group was unanimous. If this happens, let's do this. If this happens, let's do this. Unfortunately, we can't do anything until we figure out what happens on Saturday. Uh, I will say that the the greatest debate was on the Pac-12 side, and uh, there were some folks that that felt one way uh, very strongly. There were some folks that felt another way very strongly. Um, Ultimately, um, you know, I, I, I try not to give my opinion until it's asked. Um, and ultimately it was. And, and when I did give my opinion, uh, I think our group actually started to sway that way. They, I guess they think I might know something about this or might know what I'm talking about, which I guess I got them fooled. But um, I think we're in a good position. Uh, a lot can happen between now and Sunday. But I feel pretty confident that, uh, that, that, that we're in a good spot. And, and the reality of it is, uh, Ed, and, you, and hopefully I get to see you on Sunday, Willie, you as well, um, you know, the reality of it is this thing is going to go really, really fast. So we have to be prepared no matter what. At 11.45, I get the phone call from – I'm sorry, 11.55, I get the phone call from the Pac-12 to make the choice. 
uh, we've got to move quickly. And then at, at, at 12.05, I get the call from the Big Ten. So it, it's going to happen really quickly. So you and I will be locked at the hip between 11.51 and 12.06. So I will get the scoop, correct? Willie, you, you tend, we tend to break scoops together, right? The last time Remember we were that? together. That was fantastic. <laughs> that was great. Let me ask Buddy, you. You can be locked at my hip any, any day of the week. No problem. I'll stand in the back of the room with you. I don't know how much you can reveal without. I don't know how much you can discuss this without revealing. So I'm going to ask this. And if you can't, then and I, I get it. Um, obviously, UCLA was in the mix as one of the final four. Um, there is a local tie, uh, as I continue to say, uh, as much as I love Dorian and his mom, you know, the 250 local fans don't necessarily, uh, you know, change the radar screen in the 63,000 seat arena. The bigger thing that does is do you take in do you, in consideration the fact that they are hosting the number 11 Arizona Wildcats in a college basketball game at a college basketball school? the same night does that weigh in your consideration and do you have to take all those different things in perspective when you're making a choice 100 percent, it does there's no doubt about it and willie i'm going to take it one step further for you um not only do they have a home game against arizona which which you know is not ideal for us to be honest with you uh because to your point uh the perception is they're more of a basketball school and i think that's that's quite frankly the reality as well um, but I'll take it a, a, another step forward. From from what from my understanding, they traveled and showed up pretty well for the Gonzaga game just a week or two ago. Um, um, you know, I wasn't at the game, but I heard it was a ton of UCLA people that came in for that one. Um, and then uh, uh, they're, they're, they have another game coming up here uh, against North Carolina. So that's a lot of Las Vegas in a short period of time. Um, it, it was it was definitely something that our group tossed around and. And, and, and batted around. You know, home attendance, also something that we take a, a long, hard look at. Uh, Arizona State, it, it, for, from, from all indications, had a pretty good year uh, attendance-wise. That's something that we took into account. We, we looked at the UCLA home attendance. Um, we look at um, how close the alums are to the city of Las Vegas with, with regards to driving distance. Uh, obviously, UCLA has a ton of people in Orange County in the L.A. area. They have a lot of people in Las Vegas. Uh, Arizona State, same thing. They're, they're, that's where those two are fairly, fairly close. Is you know you have Orange County, you have LA, you have Phoenix, you have um, Las Vegas. Like they, they both have a huge alumni base here in Las Vegas as well. So we take in, we take into account all of those things. At the end of the day, we also take into account uh, what could be the the best matchup on television. Um, I, I will tell you the one thing I, I, I found interesting now. Now that we live in a world where where sports gambling is, is accepted, somebody came up with an idea, and I, I reached out to some good friends of ours that are tied to the bowl, and I said, hey, just out of curiosity, what would, uh, you know, what would these guys put for this matchup versus this matchup, this matchup versus this matchup? And I will tell you, according to the, our friends at the books, no matter what matchup we go with, it's going to be a pretty decently high-scoring game, and it's going to be a pretty close game no matter which way we go. So, so – that was some new information, some new data that we factored into the equation this year. Boy, Arizona State-Wisconsin is going to be a nice game. It's John Sassenti, Executive Director of the <laughs> Las Vegas Bowl, here with us on the Press Box. Uh, let's go to the Big Ten side of things. Look, you want as many people as you can get from another part of the country to come in here, stay in the restaurants. That's part of this. We understand that. It is, it should be part of this. 
do you go into this having numbers in your head? Obviously, you call the schools. They say, well, we can bring this many people. And I guess you have to take them at your word. Uh, seats 60,000 plus, uh, you like the sellouts. So do you go into this with a number saying, you know what, if we pick the school, guys, we really need you to get to this number? Yes. And I have those conversations directly with the athletic department and with the athletic directors. And I'm a little, I'm a little, you know, there's an old athletic director that, that one time was, didn't warm up to me. Um, and I asked why they didn't warm up to me. And, and her response was, well, you're just not like anybody else in college athletics. I'm not sure how to read you. And I took that as a huge compliment. And so when I call these athletic directors, I'm as, I'm as upfront and very direct as you possibly can. There's no beating around the bush. Let's, let's get the numbers out on the table. Let's be honest with each other. I'm going to be honest with you. You have to be honest with me because the only way this is going to work is if we do have some, some transparency and some honesty. And I, I lay out exactly where we're sitting today. We look at their, their ticket allotment that was negotiated in our conference contract. And then I say, okay, what can you do realistically above and beyond this? And, and I tell them flat out, I, said, I say to them, don't lie to me. Do not lie to me. If you think you can do 3,000 tickets over your 7,000 you think you're going to bring 10,000, that's okay. Just be honest with me because what you don't want to do as an athletic director is you don't want to be uh, dishonest and give me some numbers that, that are just not realistic because guess what? The next year when you're in contention for a different bowl game, that bowl director is going to call me and they're going to ask me exactly what the conversation was and what they did. And I'm going to be honest with them. I'm not going to lie to them. So I've had some really good, open, and honest conversations with, with all the athletic directors. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, and, and I've shared those conversations with our committee. I think, um, you know, I, in my mind, I think it, it's pretty, pretty clear which direction we, we need to go. Um, but, again, we, we have to wait until Sunday. There's a lot of things that could happen. Who knows? I mean, last night we were at the, uh, at, you know, we, we were all talking at the Pac-12 reception and uh, I made the mistake of taking a picture with the Arizona State mascot early, and then the rumor floating around was I was doing that because we're taking ASU, right? Wow. Um, but but, but listen. The, rookie the, mistake, the, Sparky. Yeah, rookie mistake. Know, Come know, on, Sparky Sassenti. I immediately ran over and took him with the Bruin, too, to kind of throw everybody <laughs> off their game. <laughs> okay. but, but so now listen, we know it's the, down to UCLA and Arizona State. Great. Right. Okay. The, the conversation was, um, you know, what, ha- what happens? Who knows? Like, chaos could technically happen um, in, the, in, in, in college football. Let's just say Oregon blows Utah out of the water. You know, you, you, you get an Iowa win. You get a, a Houston win. Uh, crazier things have happened. I mean, could Oregon sneak back in there? Sure, they could. I, I, don't see it, I don't think it's very likely, but it's very, very possible that if chaos happens, and then what? Then you got, you know, a Utah going to the Rose Bowl, and you have to reshift your mindset. Uh, very, very quickly into into all the remaining teams there because uh, we end up picking after Alamo. So what does Alamo do in that situation? Um, so these are all the things that we're taking into account. I, I'd, love to, I'd love to be able to sit here and pound the table and go, this is what we're doing, this is who we're taking. But I'll tell you what, I'd look real freaking stupid if um, you know we say this is what we're doing and, and chaos happens and then all of a sudden we're standing here going, whoops. Well, don't worry about it. Just to, just to let you know, Colorado's at Oregon for Dana Altman's group on December 30th. So they got a basketball game up there, too. But uh, talking to John Sassetti, executive director of the Las Vegas Bowl, getting ready for the big announcement on Sunday. That's going to be just before the Raiders and the Washington football team. John, I want to get away from the whole talk about the matchup and, and, and the hype for that. 
What I want to know is this. For years upon years at Sam Boyd, you knew it sort of, you didn't know, you know, we still anticipated the matchup, but you knew what you were getting as far as the placement, the Mountain West, Pac-12, so on and so forth. You make this move to Allegiant. What's it been like, you know, you, and you, the support staff, phenomenal, right, with with Melissa and, and gals like Melissa and Wendy who've been there, the selection committee and, and, and the executive board, Donnie Logue, everybody, your support staff. The transition to Allegiant and the Power Fives, what's it been like for you this this past year and then leading up to it, it's got to be a different, I mean, the routine is there and it's the same, but it's just got to be amplified. Talk about what it's been like. Well, there's, there's a lot. And, and, and some of it is, listen, the, the Legion hasn't even been open, you know, for business essentially a full full year yet. Right. Um, Well, a little bit more than a year, but, with regards to major, major events, they haven't seen a ton of events. And they've got Raider games dialed in pretty well. They seem to have the concerts dialed in pretty well. The bowl game is very different, right? So we're trying to educate the stadium on how we do things, um, why we do things, the difference between a Raiders NFL game and a, and a college football bowl game. So, so there's, there's a learning process going on, on on that side. There's also a huge learning process going on on our side. I mean, it is a totally different animal operating a $2 billion, 65,000-seat stadium compared to the 36,000-seat Sam Boyd. It was easy to navigate around Sam Boyd. We had a lot of open space to be able to do anything and everything we needed. Um, it, was, it was pretty easy. So, listen, the, the kickoff game on Labor Day was a huge help for us. We learned a ton on that one. Like you said, we have great people working with us and, and in my opinion, the best in the business uh, with Melissa uh, she's got a she's got a real good handle on things and and uh, and listen when we get to the bowl time we we feel really good about it and listen all all goes away and 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 all 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 can kind of be you know out out behind the curtain when you have you know sixty thousand people in there and you have a great matchup and listen we're tracking there right now I'll go back to Ed's comment earlier about uh, or maybe it was you Willie asking about tickets and where we need to get to. We're sitting here just shy of 40,000 tickets sold right now, and we have not announced the teams. Uh, so with, with 18,000, 19,000 tickets remaining, that's all that's there is 18 or 19,000 tickets. Um, if we can get that great matchup on Sunday and, and, and we sell those things and we fill it pretty good, that, that stadium is going to be rocking. It's going to be a great atmosphere. And it shows you, you know, what, what, the, what the community is thinking, what the locals are thinking, the fact that we sold that many tickets. It, it says what we've done over the last 29 years. It says that we got a brand new building. It says that we, we you know, we hit it out of the park with, you know, the, the blockbuster uh, conference deals that we did with the Big Ten and the SEC and the Pac-12. Um, it, it, it says a lot about where we are. Now we just got to we got to get to December 30th and, and actually have that game. But, you know, working at Allegiant's been a blast. It's been fun. It's been a lot of work trying to learn that thing. But, uh, but it, 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 it's been a blast. John Sassenti, Executive Director of Las Vegas Bowl, wakes up at 829 every morning. Take care of yourself, brother. <laughs> Thanks, Ed. Later, Sparky. I appreciate all you guys do. Look forward to seeing you on right. Sunday. Thanks for everything. Back with college basketball. Candidly, we didn't feel that sense of pressure from the other side during the course of this week. And the only tool available to you under the act is to apply economic leverage. How can you feel pressure when the meetings are seven minutes long? Like that, they they met for seven minutes. What pressure do you feel when you're meeting with dudes for seven minutes? Speaking of tools, right? I just dropped you there for seven seconds. Go ahead. <laughs>
Well, no, he said he he's he's a tool. Oh, okay. Manfred. Real quick, we only have a few before Kevin Kruger, UNLV basketball coach, joins us. You covered all the hoops last week. Did it make a sense to you that even more so now we are the mecca of college basketball? Let me tell you something. I, you know, someone that grew up here and watched the Running Rebels at the Convention Center Rotunda and then the Thomas and Mack, it felt like college basketball in this town again. It was the first time I've seen like a frenzied college basketball atmosphere from even the Gonzaga, it, 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 that was a quiet crowd, Gonzaga CMU. And then the next day watching the the um, the Maui semifinals and then watching Gonzaga Duke, man, the atmosphere. I want that as a Final Four. I might want that as the national championship, never both, mind the Final Four. Both coaches, the first things out of their mouth was, what about that crowd? Like, it wasn't like what – it was, then it was, what about the game? That was – that was a, but it was the crowd. 20,000 plus. Fantastic. Biggest college basketball, biggest basketball crowd in the state in of Nevada, Nevada ever. It beat UNLV Navy by like, you know who was very upset? He's very salty. Paul Gutierrez. Of course, UNLV. Well, loves because UNLV's a school. He's got more right. gear so, than, than Larry Johnson. Yeah, so UNLV Navy, it beat it by like 600 people. Right. So he's very salty. But it was, let me tell you something. It was fantastic. And quick shout out, Julian Strother. Second half, he brought Gonzaga back. Fantastic little homecoming for him that week too. Yeah, Krzyzewski, uh mentioned him afterwards. He said, we thought he was good. He's even better than he is. And the facial expressions are what told it because he because he, he he said he's talking and he goes, man, great player. He goes, and then he looked at the stat sheet, looked up at us, and he goes, and that Stra- Strother, is that how you say it? And then his eyes, he goes, big time. And I told Lee, I told Lee, uh, Julian's father, and I said, wait till you see the facial expression. I sent him the video. He was great. When we come back, here he is, Kevin Kruger, UNLV basketball coach. We're going to talk to him about that SMU loss, and here they go to USF this weekend. What about the Dons? Back with Kruger.